This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. So I have to ask you, Jess, how many times did you get out to the fair the last 10 days? Just once. Just once? Okay. Favorite thing to eat while you were there? Oh, gosh. I actually got cheesecake on a stick. It was, it was, you got to pick which flavor they dip it in. So I was going to say, was, what did you get it dipped in? I got like a lemon crunch. Oh, I uh, like topping. that better than yeah. the idea of chocolate, because I think that's what a lot of people go for. Yes. But the lemon crunch, oh, yummy, yummy. I'm sorry I missed that one. But, well, this is the last day of the fair, and we're going to tell you a little bit later on exactly what's going on today. But... Um, With our very busy show, let's get started by telling you about another event. It gets underway at 9 o'clock this morning right outside Fiserv Forum. Well, if you're looking for places to go and things to see, one of my favorite events of the summer is the Morning Glory Art Fair. And joining us on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline is Jan Raven. She's the director of the fair, and she's also a working artist. And Jan, tell us what kind of art you create. I am a jeweler. I don't really do silversmithing per se, but I'm more of a weaver. I take silver and gold wire, and I use ancient techniques, and I do various kinds of weaving to make my jewelry. A hundred and thirty art. Are going to be at Morning Glory along with you. And what sort of art will they be creating? You're going to have jewelers there, but what else? We have jewelers, as you said. There's wood artists and sculptors, fiber arts, there's ceramicists. There's painting, drawing, printmaking. We have a strong showing in printmaking, photography, digital arts, glass. It's a juried show, which means all of the artists involved have been invited to participate. Yeah, the jury process is such that artists submit applications and they submit an array of photos representing their work. And then we have a jury of three art professionals who take a look at the work without people's names. So they're just looking at the work and example of their booth and score them. And then they are invited based on the scores. And of course, this is all sponsored by Wisconsin Craft, which is a not-for-profit organization which encourages artists such as yourself to create and to get out and talk with people. And I think that's something that we need to emphasize here, Jan, and that is that when you go to an art fair like Morning Glory, to take advantage of being able to chat with the artists. Absolutely. That's an important part of art fairs. When you go to a fair and you look at the beautiful creations and the creative things that people are making, you're not just looking at things, you're looking at a little extension of that artist because they put a lot of thought and energy and blood, sweat and tears sometimes into their work. And so it's useful to to be there and to talk to them a little bit and get to know their process and what drives them. And all those things that you don't get out of going to the store, but you go to an art fair, you get to see beautiful things, and you get to learn a little bit about the artist. And so when you get something at a show, you're taking home just a little bit of that artist with you when you bring it home. Well, I know some of the things that make the Morning Glory Art Fair special, not just the artists, not just the fact that you can get out on a beautiful day and talk with them and see some of the art. It's also free and open to the public. And it starts at 9 o'clock this morning. We've got a lot going on around the area this morning, including our final State Fair scoop, letting you know what's going on this last day of the fair. Also, if you're having problems affording your Internet, we have a representative from the FCC telling you how to get a substantial discount on your service and even 
a discount if you need a new computer. Now, if you're also concerned about student loan forgiveness, we have an expert telling you when your payments will resume. Plus, there is a webinar, it's absolutely free, going on this week that really breaks things down. Matt Miller's here with us, and also Mark Cass is here about a heart, about a huge apartment complex that's going to be developed at Mayfair Mall. Plus, they're talking about another new upscale store. Coming to the mall. Does he know which one it is? Well, you've got to stick around to find out. We also are going to look back at the weekend review. Jessica's here in the newsroom. Isaac's pushing those buttons. And in just two minutes, it's Dominic Catronio in sports. It's 812 and 69 degrees at WTMJ. Game two of the series with the White Sox down on the south side. For the Brewers, they handed the ball to Brandon Woodruff, and he was trailing for most of this game before the Brewers' offense broke out in the seventh inning. 3-1 pitch. Line drive up the middle and into left center field. A base hit. Contreras delivers yet again. In from second, Taylor. Wide turnaround first for Contreras. They'll throw in behind him, and it's not in time. He's back safely with a go-ahead RBI single. You put him up there in a clutch spot, and Mr. Clutch, he does it, it feels like, every time. 3-2 to two, Milwaukee. Josh Maurer on the call as they would win by the final score of 3-2, to two, aided in part by a game-tying double by Tyrone Taylor. Then the bullpen would lock things down. They've claimed the series. Now go for the sweep today. Coverage will begin at noon with Brewers warm-up. Network coverage will take over at 12.35. First pitch is scheduled for 1.10. It'll be Freddie Peralta against Dylan Cease. Elsewhere in Major League Baseball, the Cubs were victorious over the Blue Jays 5-4, which means the Central Division lead for the Brewers remains at two and a half games. The Reds, meanwhile, they were rained out in Pittsburgh. They will have a doubleheader today. The National Basketball Association has enshrined its newest Hall of Famers in Springfield, Massachusetts at the Hoop Hall, Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. Names include Dirk Nowitzki, Tony Parker, Pau Gasol, Greg Popovich, Becky Hammond, and of course, Marquette's own Dwayne Wade. I want to thank Harold L. Richards High School in Oakland, Illinois. I want to thank Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I want to thank the Miami Heat in Wade County. I want to thank the Hoop Hall. For WTMJ Sports, I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks a lot, Dominic. It's 815, 69 degrees. We're going to have your forecast. And also, Mark Cass is going to join us. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Well, if you're tired of watering that lawn like I am, got some good news for you. Regarding tomorrow's weather, I'll tell you about that in a second. But today, it's going to be mostly cloudy. We do have some scattered showers. Those would probably be very late in the day. We're going to get up to about 75 degrees. And tonight, scattered showers down to 64. Tomorrow is the day where we're going to see some real rain. uh, Because it's going to start early in the morning. It's going to continue through most of the day into the evening. There is even is a chance for some uh, lightning, but the good thing is we're finally going to get that accumulation that we need. 71 will be our high. Then Tuesday looks partly cloudy with a high of 77. Wednesday, mainly sunny and 84. And on Thursday, it's going to be partly cloudy with a chance of rain and storms, and our high will be 82 degrees. 
Currently in, a, in East Troy, we have 67. Glendale's at 68. Pleasant Prairie has 70. And we have 69 degrees at WTMJ at 819. And it's time to check in on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline with Mark Cass. He's the editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. Mark, I think a lot of people were surprised this week when they heard there's a plan for 900 apartments to be developed where the Boston store was in Mayfair in Tosa. What are the details? And are you are you hearing more about it? Is it more than just apartments? This one's really interesting, though, because it's something you and I have talked about, and that's what's going on around shopping malls. Think about really in the area here, what's going on in Southridge, what's going on up in Glendale, what's going on out in Brookfield. Shopping malls, as we've known them, are no longer going to be that way. There's more to them. So here's the case where you have a strong mall, but like all of the malls, had some issues. Now they want to add 900 apartments around the empty Boston store. So they would be in a number of buildings there. And then they want to refill that store with a high-end retailer. And on Friday, we broke the story of them actually talking with a high-end retailer who would open there, who would take a majority of the space, it looks like, and then work right next to the apartments. And the whole thing is, and there was a very interesting quote from the mayor. The mayor said, on a cold winter day in February, you could live at the mall. You could walk into the mall to do your shopping. You could work in one of the office buildings at the mall, you never have to to be outside. It's almost kind of creating its own community. So what these malls are doing is they're becoming mixed use. As I've said before, very few people just travel to a mall to shop anymore. You go there now to a movie theater, to doing Whirly Ball out in Brookfield, to actually living in the area as they're doing in Greendale and up on the North Shore. They've really become much more of live, work, and play because the malls as we know them are no longer going to work. Any idea who that high-end retailer might be? Not yet, but it would be right next to the Nordstrom, so it's going to have to complement Nordstrom. So, you know, we'll have to see. There's not a lot of retailers expanding, so who it could be is kind of a small group. But to add that store, to really have it more active again, it's very crucial to the mall. But Wauwatosa is being very proactive here and spending upwards of $60 million on the infrastructure that would be needed around the mall to actually have this because of concerns on traffic, getting in, getting out. But think about adding 900 people to actually live in that area, how much more energy and activity would be there. I'm just curious if this high-end retailer is already in the market, or would it yeah. be somebody coming in like Von Mar did yep. at the corners? That's... And really, I think that's one of the reasons that is a success, right. because you can't go anyplace else than there. I think you're throwing out a name there that I've heard before. I'm not sure if it would work there because it's not that far from the store out in Brookfield. When they had talked originally, they had talked about a store potentially on the North Shore. We'll see. I just think you need a strong retailer to anchor that center still, but adding these apartments and adding everything else that's going on with the hotel that's there now and the office buildings and everything that's going there, that really makes it a much stronger site. The Business Journal broke another story this week on the Iron Horse Hotel going to auction in September. What happened? There was so much excitement when they originally opened. Yeah, there really was. It's had issues for years on the financial side, you know, from an occupancy and from an activity standpoint. It seems to do well. It's one of the more high-end hotels in the area, but they just haven't made it from a financial standpoint. So here's a case where the owner had to file bankruptcy six or nine months ago, has been working through that process, trying to hold out of the hotel, trying to make things right, and it just hasn't worked. So now now he's looking at an option of auctioning it off. The hope is that the hotel, which has continued to operate throughout this whole process, would continue long term with a new owner, hopefully new money involved and grow. It's something we're going to have to watch very closely because who would that be? Would they want to expand it? Would they want to keep it going? What would they want to do? It's a great site, yet it's not in the heart of downtown. As we all know, it kind of works well with the Harley Museum right nearby. So one to watch, Libby. Who ends up owning it and what's the future of it? Hmm, We will keep our eye on that one. Now, another thing I think a lot of people 
Well, they read it with surprise, and that is that Molson Coors has acquired a spirits company, and they're right. wondering, why are they moving away just from selling beer? Right. I mean, think about it. In the old days, it was Miller Lite. It was Miller High Life. Then they obviously added the stuff from Coors and that whole thing. It was beer, beer, beer. Well, nowadays, what's interesting to me is that they've really gone away from that. And now for about three years now, they've been focused on beer, but also liquor. And through that company, you could buy wine, you could buy seltzer, you could buy all kinds of other liquor. And just this week, they actually bought a whiskey company and now are getting into the whiskey area. So what they're trying to do is there's so much competition out there. There's so many smaller breweries who do beer. So the thinking is if we offer a number of options, we can sell more, right? We can sell more alcohol. I think over time, they've also seen the consumer move away from just beer into other liquor and stuff. This is just an opportunity to do that. Be interesting to see long-term. We know them as a company that does Miller Lite, the company that does Coors Light. Will they succeed long-term as a liquor company? Well, obviously, they've had some pretty good results over the past few quarters, so things seem to be working. But long-term, how are we going to know them? And it's going to be really interesting to watch. Well, I wonder if one of the reasons Forbes named Milwaukee among the best markets for young people was because of all of the beer available here. All the beer available and all the festivals, right? Exactly. My God, there's something, there's three or four festivals every week, Libby. It's crazy. I mean, I was saying earlier today about the triathlon last week. I just happened to be throughout the downtown area. Every hotel was full. Every restaurant was full. The city was abuzz. And I think that's one of the reasons why it was cited as we were 16th ranked in the country for young adults. And that's huge. I think that's a big thing. I also think it's we are less expensive to live here. Think about, you know, how much it costs to rent an apartment in Chicago, in New York, LA, or God forbid out in San Francisco. The cost is so high out there, and that makes us much more attractive. I also think one thing we forget is our restaurant scene. We've often said we kind of overhit for our restaurant scene. We really do well for our city, so I think restaurant plays into it. I think some of the transit things that are going on, whether it's the hop, whether it's whether it's the rapid transit system, some of the things that are coming here will attract a lot of young professionals. So I think it was a surprise, but you look at who was on the list, you know who was number one? It was actually in Iowa. So I think some of the younger adults out there are liking a little bit more of the less hectic, less congested. Think about Milwaukee. When's the last time you were caught in a traffic jam. Just rarely happens here, and it's a nice place to live, and I think a lot of young adults are seeing that. And don't forget the access to professional sports teams as well. Access to a very... I think that's a great point. We have the Brewers and the Bucks right here in the city, and then you have the Green Bay just a couple hours away. To have three teams like that is very important. You are right, as always, Libby. You're always right. Uh, I don't know if I'm always right, but there's one thing that I do think we do right in Milwaukee, and that's fireworks shows. And apparently on Thursday, (laughs) they're going to be holding an event Event and fireworks. Called Honchella. Come yeah. on now. What a great name for something, right? Yeah. So why are they doing it and what's it going to cost? What they're talking about doing here is we all know how they come up with the money to light the Hone Bridge on the western side so all of us can see it from the city. Well, now the plan is to light the Hone Bridge on the east side and really need to raise a couple million dollars. And the hope is through this event on Thursday and through the next couple months to raise the money. They need a couple million dollars and really make that happen because the hope is to have it up and running in time for the RNC next July. Think about the view and the vision that would provide for the city. Milwaukee's known for the Art Museum, and you always see that when we're on national TV, how that looks. To have the bridge lit up from both the east and west side, I think would be cool. We saw in the NBA playoffs back in 21 how cool it was to see our city at night when they did the skyline shots. Think of that skyline shot throughout the RNC and what that means. And I think it's important to a city. It's important to our image. They're trying to raise the money. They have success on the west side. They're hoping to have success very quickly on the east side. And think about all of those yachts that those big RNC donors and lobbyists are going to be bringing into Lake Michigan, and they'll have the big parties out on the lake, and they can look at all the lights. And they'll see the lights, and they'll be parked right next to your yacht. Am I allowed on your yacht when the RNC is here, Lily? Yeah, yeah, I'll give you a paddle. Give me a- <laughs>
<laughs> a paddle and a life jacket, aren't you? That's what I'm a little worried about. I only have one, so we'll have to share. All right, listen, Mark Cass, it's always so good to talk with you. Always good to talk to you, Libby. I'll talk to you next week. It's 827. We have 69 degrees at WTMJ. Isaac, you off the air made a comment about the original developer of malls. Yeah. So I, I read once that the original concept for malls, it was designed by like a Swedish guy and he, uh, he wanted it to be kind of a self-contained community with apartments and you know, stores and a jail and places to work. <laughs> and I think it's kind of cool that malls are now becoming what they were originally intended to be, minus yeah. the jail. And some of the people who end up in malls should be in jail. All right, it is, uh, let's see, we've got a lot going on this morning. A little bit later on this morning, we will let you know what is going on this last day of the Wisconsin State Fair. Also, if you have a, um, well, if, if you're having trouble paying that internet bill, we may have a solution for you. That's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. And welcome back. I'm Libby Collins on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Still ahead, coming up this hour, this half hour, I should say, about 10 minutes. If uh, you've got a student loan or maybe your kids or grandkids do and you've got a lot of confusion and questions, we've got somebody who's got an, a free seminar. Actually, it's a webinar. You don't even have to go there. You can just watch it on your on your computer. That'll answer all those questions for you. We'll tell you about that in just a few minutes. But right now, let's look back at what happened this week. There were anti-Semitic flyers in Sussex. Kenosha police got the wrong guy. And, of course, there was that horrible devastation in Maui. It's the Week in Review, brought to you by, the, by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go. An investigation is underway after people in the village of Sussex found bags with rocks and anti-Semitic flyers in their driveways over the weekend. So as the granddaughter of a Jewish man, it felt personal. It feels scary. And I'm disgusted. Racine police are calling the damage substantial after a car crashed into City Hall in Racine over the weekend. A Midwestern favorite first brewed in La Crosse back in early 1900s returning to its original brewing facility. Heilemann's old style. Pure brewed in God's country. Yeah, apparently God's oh. country is now La Crosse. If you want an ice cold old style, you could always find it in the Matzik family fridge when I was growing up. If you want a warm old style, you can always find that at Wrigley Field. <laughs> hey the days-long search for the body of a missing paddleboarder comes to an end on Tuesday. The body of the 49-year-old woman was discovered in Lake Michigan by fishermen, say that they found the remains off the coast in Port Washington. 75-year-old Craig Robertson was fatally shot as agents tried to arrest him for threatening to assassinate the president and threatening other government officials. As you can see, the more you around the more you're going to find out. Over 500 students gathering in Waukesha for free EKG heart tests Wednesday. When we found out that an EKG could have diagnosed Kai's Wolf-Parkinson-White condition, we were completely blindsided. We recommend that everybody gets tested. Literally, it takes longer to put the leads on than it does to run the test. Ah! 
Grab some cheese curds and cream puffs. You never know who you're going to see at the Wisconsin State Fair. If I would have made a list and I would have said, what 10 people do I think I'll see and I hope I'll see? Former Governor Tommy Thompson, HHS Secretary, would be on the list. And the governor is with us here in the State Fair studio. Governor Thompson, how are you? John, you look great. You sound great. Your radio program is fantastic. Can you help negotiate my next contract? If you want me to, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) for a small fee. Joining us in studio is the governor of the state of Wisconsin, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers. This is a 50-50 state. Those maps will look 50-50, and I think that will be a relief for the people of Wisconsin. The man wrongfully apprehended by Kenosha police is now facing criminal charges himself. This comes from a video that's since gone viral. It shows Kenosha police approaching a man and woman inside of an Applebee's. If the cops would have communicated in between, it would have never happened. They would have realized that this is the wrong family. I don't think it's too much to ask the police to be guardians and not military-minded warriors. A flock of birds just flew by our broadcast booth here. <laughs> they almost came all the way in. Yeah, waiting on Tippy Hedren. She was in there, too. See her walking by here, we'll be in trouble. Well, we can't just let them fly around. American Family Field. You like brats? I wear brat skins for gloves during the off-season. Everyone was wearing brat skins. Gloves. At least 36 people dead now in the devastating wildfires on the island of Maui, Hawaii. There are three wildfires still burning here on Maui. You can smell it in the air. And that historic Lahaina town, it is just gone. I've been telling some other folks that some of the photos we saw from the air reminded me of photos of Dresden in World War II after the fire bombings. It was pitch black. There was so much smoke. It was so heart-wrenching. I was on a plane from LA here to Maui when one mother with tears in her eyes was asking the crew to be let off the plane. I just got off the phone with Governor Josh Green this morning. Let him know I'm gonna make sure the state has everything it needs from the federal government to recover. Robbie Robertson died at his home in Los Angeles after a long illness. He was 80 years old. I do like that song, but I like the night they drove Old Dixie down better. I, I just a personal band favorite. All right, and it's eight forty, and the weekend review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. I'm Libby Collins. Still ahead, if you have that student loan hovering over your head, we've got some news you don't want to miss. It. It's coming up on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Well, we've got a cloudy Sunday ahead with some scattered showers late in the day. We're going to get up to about 75 degrees. And tonight, more scattered showers down to 64. And tomorrow, fingers crossed, that rain we need should be here. It's going to start early in the day, continuing through the day into the evening, with only a high of 71. On Tuesday, we clear up a little bit, but it's still going to be on the cloudy side, 77. Wednesday looks mainly sunny with a high of 84. And Thursday... Partly cloudy with another chance of some rain and storms and a high of 82. Currently in Colgate, we have 68 degrees. Bayside's at 68. St. Francis has 70. And we have 70 degrees at WTMJ at 843.
There are so many questions, especially by those of you who have student loan debt and what you need to do next. Well, joining us on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline is consumer expert Michelle Reinen, and you've got a webinar coming up, Michelle. We sure do. DADCAP, along with the Department of Financial Institutions, is offering a free student loan debt relief workshop. This will be held on Tuesday, August 15th from 1230 to 130 p.m. And again, registration is free and the information is available on our website at consumerprotection.wi.gov. This is so important to attend if you do have a student loan, especially for those students or graduates who've never even had to make a payment because those loan payments will resume in October and interest will actually start accumulating at the beginning of September. And you also have a student loan help hotline that if you can't make it to that webinar or maybe if you've got some questions before or after it takes place, you can call and ask your questions. Absolutely. You won't have to give over any of your personally identifiable information, but you can talk about your situation with experts. This is in partnership with the Wisconsin Coalition on Student Debt and Ascendium Education Solutions. The help hotline number is 833-589-0750. Let's give that one more time. 833-589-0750. 0750. Michelle Ronan from DATCAP, thank you so much for joining us today and letting us know what people can do if they have questions about their student loans. It's 845, 69 degrees at WTMJ, and you're just one minute away from Dominic Catronio in sports. The Brewers needed a lot of pitching on Saturday night in game two of their series against the White Sox on the south side at Guaranteed Rate Field. Brandon Woodruff pitched into the seventh inning, going six and a third, earning the victory in a 3-2 final over the White Sox. The bullpen would lock things down, though, as Hobie Milner, Elvis Peguero, and Devin Williams would only combine to allow one base runner over the final eight batters of the game, including Devin ending the game in style. The one-two pitch. Swing and a miss! He struck him out! The airbender again! have won their third game in a row. They've taken this series here in Chicago. Your final score tonight, Brewers 3 and the White Sox 2. Lane Grindle on the call here on WTMJ. Devin Williams locks down his 28th save of the season in the 3-2 win for the Brewers. They've now claimed the series against the White Sox and go for the sweep this afternoon. First pitch is scheduled for 110. Coverage will begin at noon with Brewers warm-up. As for the NL Central, the Brewers remain two and a half games clear of the Cubs, who defeated the Blue Jays on Saturday afternoon. The Reds were rained out in Pittsburgh. They will play a doubleheader today. NFL preseason week one doesn't really move the needle all that much, but an important return happened in Buffalo. The Colts and the Bills opened up their preseason matchups, and DeMar Hamlin returned to the field for the first time since his cardiac arrest in week 16 last season. Here's DeMar about getting back onto the field. It was super fun. Like, it was it was a great experience, you know what I'm saying? Just another milestone on the step of just, you know, getting back to myself as far as in the football space and, you know, in the NFL. So, um, you know, just just chopping this tree down as much as I can, one by one step by, by one. The Packers will get back to work at Lambeau Field this week, hosting the New England Patriots for a preseason game next Saturday, the 19th. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Coming up, we've got Matt Miller. He's got uh, thoughts about the new 
Dracula movie coming out. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. 69 degrees at 848 on WTMJ. Well, it's not Halloween. But it is time to check in on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline with media critic and pop culture editor at Milwaukee.com, Matt Miller. And he's back, Matt. Do we ever get enough of Dracula? Never. Never. (laughs) All right. Now, this is not the movie with Nicolas Cage that you really panned a few months ago. Uh, This is a whole new Dracula film. Yeah, it's kind of weird that we got two movies with Dracula in them this year, but without Dracula in the title. Uh, I'm no marketing expert, but I would maybe uh, I would maybe work on that next time. Uh, yeah, this is the last voyage of the Demeter, which for those of you who read the Bram Stoker book, that's like a little short segment at the start of the book explaining how Dracula gets to London and gets to England uh, about how this boat ride goes awry because Dracula is on board. And that's the premise of this horror movie, which is kind of a a cool premise for a horror movie. Uh, The director kind of described it as alien, but on the high seas. And honestly, that sounds like a great movie. Unfortunately, that movie is not the last voyage of the Demeter It's one of those movies where you feel like you're waiting for the movie to catch up to what the audience knows. I mean, the audience knows it's a Dracula movie, so we're kind of spending the whole movie being like, okay, figure out that it's a vampire on board, you know? Figure out what you have to do here. And it also does that thing where the start of the movie kind of shows you what happens at the end, or at least like tells you like how things are going to wrap up. So, again, you're kind of just waiting on the movie to be like, I know where this leads. I know where this is kind of essentially ending. So, But do you care how they get there? Uh, probably not enough. Because, like I said, like you spend a lot of that middle section of the movie being like, okay, it's dra- like figure out what's going on on this boat, please. And it's not quite scary enough not quite gory enough i do it is a movie that you root for while you're watching it because it's such a fun idea for a horror movie and it's so different from a lot of the horror movies we have right now like we have a lot of these you know supernatural horror movies we have a lot of these you know modern day kind of creepy weird horror movies but we don't really have these kind of throwback atmospheric you know period uh, kind of hammer horror movies like, you know, that are about atmosphere and kind of spooky monsters and stuff like that. And you want it to be better than it is. Uh, so unfortunately, I know we're in a horror movie boom right now, but Last Voyage of the Demeter is kind of more of a bust. Mm. Is there anybody in it that you'd want to see? Uh, the lead actor is Corey Hawkins, who's quite good. He was in Straight Outta Compton and Kong, uh, Kong Skull Island. They have him doing a British accent in this movie that doesn't quite fit him great, but he's a really great actor. Uh, Liam Cunningham plays uh, the captain in the movie. He was from Game of Thrones. He just brings like a kind of really good presence to the movie that I really like. He, I, but is he as part- good as is he as good as Robert Shaw was in Jaws? Well, no one's as good as Robert <laughs> Shaw was. In I mean, Jaws. that is the captain. 
That is the that, captain. I mean, that's like that's like one of those things. Like if the Oscars nominated performances and gave awards out for performances that actually mattered, we'd be like, yeah, Robert Shaw definitely won an Oscar <laughs> for Jaws because he should. It's an iconic performance. <laughs> All right, I didn't mean to interrupt you about the captain. Uh, so that's kind of it. I mean, no romantic interest in this film. It's like Dracula's on the ship, everybody dies, and the end. Yeah, and, and it, again, it kind of has that issue of like, well, we know he's going to get to London. It's Dracula. Dracula ends up in London, and we know, like, we know it's a vampire. Everyone else, figure out he's a vampire. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's just kind of. It, I wouldn't even say it's frustrating. It's just a movie that doesn't live up to what you kind of hope it is while you're watching. I mean, do you kind of want to yell at the at the screen while you're watching it? Don't go down there. <laughs> Well, and also, like, it's one of those movies where, like, somebody gets, you know, someone gets extinguished by the sunlight because that's how you kill vampires. But it doesn't really play into, like, how the characters are going to try to kill Dracula as they're, like, trying to, like, stop him. They, like, they, they see what happens in the sunlight and they're like, oh, that's interesting. Anyways, moving on. And, 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 and unfortunately, they didn't bring any garlic on board. No garlic. The the seasonings, yeah. A lot of basil, not no garlic. Yeah. Oh, oh well. All right. So so maybe something that people do want to watch. I mean, we're getting close to football season. The Packers had their their first preseason game the other night. And there's a there there's what, a documentary about Johnny Manziel? Yeah, so Netflix has this series of sports documentaries called Untold. And they just released a new batch of them this past month. And one of them, uh, the most popular one, is about Johnny Football, about the very uh, the, the burned bright and short uh, reign of Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel. And it, it's an interesting documentary, in part because I, I think, you know, a lot of the storyline for these sports documentaries is, you know, a rise and a fall and then, you know, the redemption, the apology tour, the the kind of, you know, trying to show that things are on the right track and stuff like that. And the Manziel documentary doesn't really have that third part um, because you just kind of watch it and you're like, oh, this guy was kind of just a jerk. Like this guy, <laughs> this guy was just like a frat boy who happened to be good at throwing a football and he doesn't seem particularly apologetic. He doesn't, I think he's trying to in some cases, but the vibe is very much like, oh, you 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 haven't really learned much from this. Like you haven't really dealt with the consequences of what's happened here because you you liked playing football because it gave you a reason to party. And then you went to the NFL and it was like, Oh, it's like a real job here. That seriously, that's the message is the guy liked to party. That's why he wanted to be a quarterback. Yeah, that's 100% the takeaway from Johnny Menzel was like, this was a guy who, who would be a normal frat guy in any other college, but he just happened to be really good at running around on a football field and throwing it. And it's, it, it, it's just interesting. It's not, there's not a lot of depth to it. Is, um, does, it, show also, it does it show, was there any truth to the rumor that he came from big oil money or anything like that? So, that's one of the interesting things about this and the Manti Teo documentary from, uh, I believe that came out last year. They both kind of have similar ideas of what were sports journalists doing 10 years ago? Because the Manti Teo story, it's like, okay, 
this guy's girlfriend dies, but we don't know who this girlfriend was. No one seems to know who she was. There seems to be, seems like something some sports journalists might want to look into. And then the Johnny Manziel thing, he did not come from oil money. That was something they literally made up. So that way, when he started showing up courtside for games and started, you know, flashing money at clubs, they would be like, oh, no, he's not doing anything against NCAA rules. His family just comes from oil, so he's super rich. That's not true. That was money he got for signing uh, autographs uh, against the NCAA's rules. Um, <laughs> so, like, but again, no sports journalist seemingly bothered to, like, look this up or do any research or be like, hey, does this Johnny Mantell guy actually come from any money here? They were just like, well a good story moving on it's just very it's just really weird that you know we got obsessed with these two stories 10 years ago (laughs) and both of them turned out to be shams and we didn't do any like no one bothered to like look that up or anything so what's what's johnny mantel doing today Nothing. Partying with his friends. Oh, okay. Um, well, he had a happy ending for him, at least. Yeah, because there's like a part where it's like... I, think I, ho- it's I hope he banked some of that money from those endorsements. I'm not... I'm <laughs> doubting it. Um, <laughs> uh, he, uh, But yeah, like they talked to his sister, and his sister's just straight up like, yeah, I don't think Johnny's in a place to do anything right now. <laughs> and they show him like still partying with his friends and like still drinking it looks like with his friends and like again it's just that thing of like you don't seem to have really grasped what happened to you yet like you don't seem to grasp that like you 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 had an opportunity to do something and you just totally (laughs) burned and flashed out as fast as possible so it's like just a a frat boy's dream Pretty much. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, I think Johnny Manziel probably is right. Is, is like, you know what? Life's pretty great right now. You know? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a funny, interesting thing, the Johnny <laughs> Manziel documentary. And I, I watched it with somebody who was went to Notre Dame and was a big anti Teo fan. And just the, the steam coming off of her during that Heisman footage and just being like, why didn't Manti Teo win that here? He was a better player. It was very entertaining. I imagine it was. Hey, Matt, always great to have you here. Thanks for having me. And, of course, you can check out everything with Matt because he is the media critic and pop culture editor at onmilwaukee.com. Coming up after the news, we're telling you what's going on at State Fair today. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And welcome back to Hour 2. A little bit later on this half hour, we're going to be sharing with you some information about uh, how you can get a discount on your Internet access. So that's coming up. But before we do anything else, joining us on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline is Jennifer Puente from the Wisconsin State Fair. And this is kind of a bittersweet day because it's the last day of the fair, Jen. How does it go so fast? I don't know. How did know. we get to day 11? I don't even know. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's like a blur now, right? It, it really is. But I will tell you, it's the last day of the fair. It is the last day you can get your cream puffs. See these amazing animals and get all of the wonderful smells and sounds of the Wisconsin State Fair for a whole year. So don't miss out, don't delay, and come on out today. A qu- question. Do they ever have leftover cream puffs at the end of the fair? You know, we really do try to time it just right so that no leftover. 
cream puff. Um, but maybe get know, maybe get to the chance. Yeah, but maybe get to the pavilion right before closing, and and who knows what you'll end up with, right? You might get lucky. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right though. It is it is kind of sad that if you haven't gotten out there until now or maybe you've been maybe you've been out there every day. This is the last chance. Now, they, usually on this last day, those animal uh exhibits, they do close a little bit early. They are, and that was going to be my pro tip of the day. If you are going to come to the fair today and you do want to see the animals, come early. Um, you know, get in the car now and come on out to the fair. The animals start leaving about 2 or 3 o'clock today. Um, they do need to go home. Um, they don't start school tomorrow, but they do need to go home. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we just want to make sure that no one's disappointed when they come out to the fair. There are some animals you can still see, but the barns aren't as small as you maybe want them to be on this last day. But, um, you know, and also, too, if you're looking for those favorite items or things like that, you know, vendors do start running a little low on price. So make sure you're getting out early to the fair today to make sure you get every flavor you want on this last day. Mm, absolutely. Now, are there any exhibits or, or any of the shows that, that kind of even surprised you in terms of their popularity this year? The circus was amazing. We have a Cirque of the Fair attraction that you can still for today. It is free with your fair admission. We've had packed houses every day. We've been really, really excited about that. And of course, the Wonder Fair Wheel never disappoints. And then if you're still looking for a great main stage show, Trace Atkins goes on at 6 o'clock tonight, which is a nice early show for everyone um, on a Sunday night. And always do love a Sunday fun day at the fair. So there's great things. Pat McCurdy's on the Bank 5-9 Amphitheater today. So there's so many things that you can do and see at the fair today. And of course, the big stage act, one of my favorites. Trace Atkins. I can't wait. So we're just, we're really excited. And as you said, it's bittersweet for this day 11 of the fair. Okay. Is there anything here on, on this final day that you are coming away from saying, boy, you know, that was really a high point for us, other than the circus? Uh, um, you know, the weather has been great. You know, we've, we've heard a couple scattered sprinkles today, but I will tell you that there's lots of covered buildings um, that you can come and see. And I just think the magic of the fair being back um, in full swing has just been amazing. Oh, it, it really has been. And as always, you do a great job. A lot of people having fun. I mean, a great place to take the family. So if you haven't had the opportunity, this is the last day of the Wisconsin State Fair. Those gates open at what time? They open at 10 a.m. and we're open until 10 p.m. tonight. Okay, it's going to be one last great day at the fair. Jennifer Puente, thanks for joining us this morning with this Wisconsin State Fair scoop. Thank you so much, and we'll see you at the fair. One last day. It's 70 degrees at 912 on WTMJ. Game two of the series with the White Sox down on the south side. For the Brewers, they handed the ball to Brandon Woodruff, and he was trailing for most of this game before the Brewers' offense broke out in the seventh inning. 3-1 pitch. Line drive up the middle and into left center field. A base hit. Contreras delivers yet again. In from second, Taylor. Wide turnaround first for Contreras. They'll throw in behind him, and it's not in time. He's back safely with a go-ahead RBI single. You put him up there in a clutch spot, and Mr. Clutch, he does it, it feels like, every time. 3-2 to two, Milwaukee. 
Josh Maurer on the call as they would win by the final score of 3-2, aided in part by a game-tying double by Tyrone Taylor. Then the bullpen would lock things down. They've claimed the series. Now go for the sweep today. Coverage will begin at noon with Brewers warm-up. Network coverage will take over at 12.35. First pitch is scheduled for 1.10. It'll be Freddie Peralta against Dylan Cease. Elsewhere in Major League Baseball, the Cubs were victorious over the Blue Jays 5-4, which means the Central Division lead for the Brewers remains at two and a half games. The Reds, meanwhile, they were rained out in Pittsburgh. They will have a doubleheader today. The National Basketball Association has enshrined its newest Hall of Famers in Springfield, Massachusetts at the Hoop Hall, Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. Names include Dirk Nowitzki, Tony Parker, Pau Gasol, Greg Popovich, Becky Hammond, and of course, Marquette's own Dwayne Wade. I want to thank Harold L. Richards High School in Oakland, Illinois. I want to thank Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I want to thank the Miami Heat in Wade County. I want to thank the Hoop Hall. For WTMJ Sports, I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks a lot, Dominic. We're coming up to 916 on WTMJ. You know, I don't know what you're paying for internet. Do you know what you pay? Not off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it seems like the prices are going up, but we don't notice it because it's always bundled with that package. And so they sort of disguise it, and then it sneaks up, and it goes up and up and up and up. But a lot of people out there are starting to to notice it, because everything's going up, right? And if you're having some problems with it, especially if you've got kids at home that really need the Internet for school, we've got, uh, actually, he's from the Federal Communications Commission. And I talked with him earlier this week, and he's got some information for you If by any chance you're having some trouble making that internet bill, and you will be amazed how much money you can make and still get some of these discounts, and we're going to be sharing that with you just in about, oh, about 15 minutes or so, right after the news at 9.30, so you want to stick around for that. And if you know anybody who by any chance is having a little bit of trouble with that internet bill Make sure they're listening because we've got some great information for you. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It is 70 degrees at 918 on WTMJ. So we're talking with Jennifer Puente from the Wisconsin State Fair about the weather today. And she said, oh, there might be some showers. Well, actually, what they're saying right now is it doesn't look like they're going to be until late in the day. So hopefully you're not going to have that problem. But it is going to be a little bit on the cloudy side. Temperatures are right around 75 degrees, but it feels a little sticky because the humidity is so high. Then tonight, those scattered showers do begin with a, high, with a low of 64. Tomorrow's the day I'm kind of looking for forward to because I am so tired of watering the lawn and uh, it, we're, we're finally going to get some rain. I mean, it, it looks like it's going to start early in the day, continuing in through the afternoon into the evening. Um, now, there might be a few thunderstorms, so watch out for that. But our high is only going to be around 71 degrees. On Tuesday, it looks partly cloudy, 77. Getting warm again on Wednesday under sunny skies, 84. And then another chance of rain on Thursday under partly cloudy 
cloudy skies and a high of 82. Currently in Grafton, we have 68 degrees. Richfield's at 71. North Prairie has 72. And at WTMJ, it is 70 degrees at 922. The following is a paid presentation. Advice and opinions expressed during the Sunday sip are solely that of the hosts or guests and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. Good morning. I'm Jeff Wagner. Welcome to the Sunday Sip. Today we're joined by Pam Lonis, who's the Director of Operations and Events, and Toby Van Sistine, who's the Director of Government Affairs for the Metropolitan Builders Association. First of all, Pam, tell me a little bit about the Metropolitan Builders Association. Sure. Thanks for having us. So the Metropolitan Builders Association has been in existence since the 1940s. We represent five counties in southeastern Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Waukesha, Washington, Ozaki, and Jefferson County. We We have 600 plus members. Who makes up the MBA? So about a third of our members are builders, developers, remodelers, and then the rest is really just made up of skilled trade companies that are involved in the industry somehow, anywhere from banking, lending, carpet, tile. We just have a whole array of people that are involved. Now, the MBA has three main consumer events this year. Tell me about them. Sure. Really, at the beginning of the year, we start the year out with our home show, which is at State Fair Park. And then we move into our spring tour of homes, which is scattered sites throughout southeast Wisconsin. And then we go right into August now for the Parade of Homes. And that's what we want to talk about this morning, because this is the 77th year for the Parade of Homes. Tell me a little bit about it. Yes, it's exciting. We are the longest running parade in the country, so we're pretty proud of that. And the builder members really have built some beautiful homes this year, and we're, we're really excited for folks to see them. These builders are just the top-of-the-line builders that really are there to show the people what is the latest and greatest trends going on today. Let's talk about that. What are some of the trends in building that people are going to see when they come out to the Parade of Homes? Sure. So we're seeing seeing a lot of beamed ceilings. We're seeing a lot of large kitchens for entertaining. People are still working from home, so they want a lot of space for that. Flex space is one of the most popular things where you used to see like dining rooms. Now they're considered flex spaces where people can use them for offices or playrooms or lounge areas or whatever. They Not necessarily your traditional formal area anymore. We're hearing that bold colors are in this year. Gold is another feature that people are using and then just bright things. It used to be grays and beiges and whites and now people are throwing in color. And I know people who come out to the Parade of Homes will some people come out to see the latest designs but it's also an opportunity to talk face to face with with builders. Yes we really encourage people to come out and and talk face to face with them a lot of people are just looking for ideas for their home, but but there are quite a few that are actually looking for a builder, and this is the perfect opportunity to speak face-to-face with them and just give them your expectations, look at timelines and budgets and things, and see what are realistically happening these days in the industry. Toby, let's talk a little bit about what is going on in the building industry these days. Sure. it's. I mean, certainly in this kind of uh, post-COVID environment, I think everyone's kind of tired of talking about it, but you know, we, we certainly have seen... Uh, some delays, people being able to get products. What used to take six to eight weeks might take 60 weeks, which sounds crazy, but it could take a year to get some of your products. So like Pam mentioned, coming out face-to-face and talking with a builder, setting good expectations, understanding what it really means to build your house or do your project is critically important so that
that you don't kind of get the cart and the horse in the wrong places. Are things better now than they were a couple of years ago as far as supplies and timing? It certainly is getting better. And I think this is one of those things when you're talking with somebody about your project, you can either pick what you want and then you are at the mercy of those potential delays or, or costs. And if it's something where you really want to get that project done in a specific amount of time, talk to your builder about what's available and then make selections from those. So it's important to kind of look at that from both ways. And one of the things you know when you're going to an event sponsored by the Metropolitan Builders Association is you're going to be dealing with reputable people, right? Absolutely. I mean, we have a, a code of ethics. We we hold all of our members to it, and we want to make sure that they are, are doing a good job, that they're talking to you about it and working with you as a partner and not just somebody you're paying to build your house. really sounds like the Parade of Homes is the place to be this summer. I've been on multiple occasions, absolutely love it. Give me a little bit of the details. So the parade's going on now through Labor Day, September 4th. This year we have two beautiful sites, Renford Hills in Sussex, and then we have Renford North in Germantown. People can come Monday through Friday, 4 to 8 p.m., and then Saturdays, Sundays, and then Labor Day as well from 11 to 5 p.m. What's the best way to get tickets and directions? So definitely go to our website, www.mbaparadeofhomes.com. There you'll get all the latest information about tickets, a link to buy tickets on there, which will be at a discounted rate. And then we've got driving directions on there and, and some information about the parade sites, too, as well. Now. At a couple of the sites, you've also got some fun stuff going on beyond just the ability to talk to the builders and see the different ideas. Yes, definitely. Last year, we tried food trucks, and people really love them, so we're bringing those back this year. Tuesdays, we'll have food trucks at both sites, and then some weekends we will. But make sure you go to our website just to make sure on the dates for those. So once again, the Metropolitan Builders Association Parade of Homes starts on August 12th. It runs through Labor Day, September 4th, Monday through Friday, 4 to 8 p.m., Saturday, Sundays, and Labor Day from 11 to 5. Go to the website, www.mbaparadeofhomes.com. You can get all the information you need about locations and tickets. It's going to be a fun event, right? It is. We're really excited, and we really want people to come out and see us. Thank you both for joining us today. This has been the Sunday Sip featuring the Metropolitan Builders Association talking about the 77th Annual Parade of Homes. It's 928 and 71 degrees at WTMJ. And welcome back to the final half hour of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. It's 935. Access to the home internet is essential for a student's success, but not every family can afford it. Joining us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline is Alejandro Rourke. He's chief of the Consumer and Governmental Affairs Bureau for the FCC. And Alejandro, how important is it to have internet in your home? Having internet at home is critical to sustaining important aspects of our everyday lives. And although budgeting for internet service is a priority for many households, affording it can still be a real challenge. So that's where the Affordable Connectivity Program comes in, or ACP for short. It's a government program that helps eligible households get the high-speed internet that they need for work, for school, for health care, or to stay connected to family and loved ones. What the program does is it provides a savings of $30 a month towards your monthly internet service bill. I'm just wondering if you have any statistics that indicate what percentage of households need this program? I would say that it definitely varies per state. Over 20 million households across the country are already enrolled and receiving this important benefit. And we know that many, many more households remain eligible to participate in this program. There's a lot of folks that don't know that the program exists or that they can be eligible. How do you know if your family is eligible? You can be eligible based on your income. You can be eligible based on your participation with other federal government programs or if you are already 
enrolled in the FCC's Lifeline program. Let's say it's a family of four. If they earn about $60,000 or less a year, then they would be eligible based on their income. For an individual earning maybe $29,000 or less a year, they would be eligible on their income. And like I mentioned, households that already participate in certain government assistance programs like SNAP, like Medicaid, like WIC, federal housing assistance, or if they have a student that received a Pell Grant or participates in the free or reduced school lunch program, they are automatically eligible to enroll in the Affordable Connectivity Program. And I encourage anyone who thinks that they might be eligible, would like more information, or has a family or friend that they think can be eligible, to visit getinternet.gov for a full list of eligibility options. And there's also an easy application that people can fill out and oftentimes can be enrolled and qualified within a matter of minutes. Is the ACP only for households that have children or could this be a single adult, a senior citizen? You know, we really try to make the program as accessible to anyone, to any household that needs some help affording Internet. You know, you mentioned older adults, so it's a household benefit. So say that there is an elderly individual in a retirement home. Every unit would be eligible for the household because every unit is a household. Does that make sense? And we define a household as the group of people that live together and share income but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have multiple households within one address. So there really is a lot of ways for both families and individuals to qualify and enroll. Does this just cover internet access, or is there a program also for individuals who might need a computer? With the Affordable Connectivity Program, you not only get the monthly discount on your monthly internet service bill, but eligible households can also receive a one-time savings of up to $100, that can go towards the purchase of a laptop, a desktop computer, or a tablet. If you are a household on qualifying tribal lands, you could save up to $75 a month. How do you sign up? You can visit getinternet.gov, and once approved, all you have to do is contact your local participating provider in your area, and we have a nifty tool on that website, so getinternet.gov, where you can put in your zip code or your address, and then it'll populate a list of participating providers. We have thousands of providers in every state. You get the choice as a consumer, what provider you want to subscribe with and what internet service plan you want to choose. And so we also have set up a dedicated ACP support center, which is open seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. If you want to talk with someone about the program, about the eligibility criteria, or you would like them to mail you a printed paper application that you can fill out at home and then mail back. They are available for you in multiple languages by calling 877-384-2575. And again, all that information is also available at getinternet.gov. Alejandro, give us that phone number one more time. 877-384-2575. Good information. I had no idea that... This would be a lot of seniors, I would think, would be eligible for this if they're on, you know, limited Social Security uh, income. And especially even this, what I find interesting is it's different households if you're a single person, even under living under the same roof. that That's where that one's kind of interesting. So you might want to check that out. And again, that phone number is 877-384. Um, what's the rest of it? I didn't get it all. 27... Was it 2759? But you know what? Isaac's going to check that, and we'll give it to you again in just a minute. It's 940 on WTMJ. We have 71 degrees. All right, now I've got the right phone number. Thank you, Isaac. This is if you want more information about that uh, 
internet discount. It's 877-384-2575. That's 384-2575. Now we got it. Thank you, Isaac. Uh, Looks like we've got a chance of some rain later on today, but for the most part, it's going to be cloudy early on. Those scattered showers start later. 75 for a high. Those showers will continue overnight, 64, and then they're going to continue throughout tomorrow. Yay, don't have to don't have to water the lawn. Uh, rainy all day. Chance of maybe some uh, lightning and thunderstorms. And a high of 71. Tuesday, partly cloudy, 77. Wednesday looks good. Mainly sunny. It's 84 degrees. And Thursday, partly cloudy. Another chance of some storms and a high of 82 degrees. Currently, it is 70 degrees at WTMJ at 943. Peggy West Schroeder was a Milwaukee County supervisor for 14 years. And she's now the executive director for an organization assisting pregnant women in jail. But a couple of years ago, Peggy almost ended up behind bars herself. You did plead guilty to election fraud charges. Can we talk about that? I was set up. I absolutely was, especially now that you have this guy who just got charged with the same thing I got charged with, and he got a misdemeanor, and I got a felony. I had to be on probation and all these other ridiculous things. And the same white guy just did the same thing that I did, and he got a misdemeanor, and he's still on the county board. Yeah, I do feel like I got set up. I was the first vice chair of the Milwaukee County Board of Supervisors. I would have been in a position where right now I would be the chair of the county board if that hadn't happened. So how do I not think that I was intentionally set up? This is the second or third time that there have been people that have had issues with their papers, and I'm the only one that ended up being a felon for that. Oh, Peggy West Schroeder can be a polarizing personality, but we talked to her, and you can decide for yourself. That entire conversation is at 11 o'clock this morning, right after the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. Side 45, you're a minute away from sports with Dominic Catronio and WTMJ. The Brewers needed a lot of pitching on Saturday night in Game 2 of their series against the White Sox on the south side at Guaranteed Rate Field. Brandon Woodruff pitched into the seventh inning, going six and a third, earning the victory in a 3-2 final over the White Sox. The bullpen would lock things down, though, as Hobie Milner, Elvis Peguero, and Devin Williams would only combine to allow one base runner over the final eight batters of the game, including Devin ending the game in style. The one-two pitch. Swing and a miss! He struck him out! The airbender again! And the Brewers have won their third game in a row. They've taken this series here in Chicago. Your final score tonight, Brewers 3 and the White Sox 2. Lane Grindle on the call here on WTMJ. Devin Williams locks down his 28th save of the season in the 3-2 win for the Brewers. They've now claimed the series against the White Sox and go for the sweep this afternoon. First pitch is scheduled for 110. Coverage will begin at noon with Brewers warm-up. As for the NL Central, the Brewers remain two and a half games clear of the Cubs, who defeated the Blue Jays on Saturday afternoon. The Reds were rained out in Pittsburgh. They will play a doubleheader today. NFL preseason week one doesn't really move the needle all that much, but an important return happened in Buffalo. The Colts and the Bills opened up their preseason matchups, and DeMar Hamlin returned to the field for the first time since his cardiac arrest in week 16 last season. Here's DeMar about getting back onto the field. It was super fun. Like, it was it was a great experience, you know what I'm saying? Just another milestone on the step of just, you know, 
getting back to myself as far as in the football space and, you know, in the NFL. So, um, you know, just just chopping this tree down as much as I can, one by one step by, by one. The Packers will get back to work at Lambeau Field this week, hosting the New England Patriots for a preseason game next Saturday, the 19th. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. That was a fun game the other night, wasn't it? It's 948. We've got your forecast right after this. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Mostly cloudy Sunday, a chance of some scattered showers later today, 75 for a high. Those showers will continue over the night. Then tomorrow, that's our rainy day, 71 degrees for a high. Port Washington right now has 68, Richfield's at 71, Franklin has 72, and we have 70 degrees at WTMJ at 951. The following is a paid presentation. Advice and opinions expressed during the Sunday sip are solely that of the hosts or guests, and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. You are listening to The Sunday Sip. I'm Jen Latta. The Salvation Army of Milwaukee County is hosting its fourth annual Civic Luncheon at 11.30 a.m. on August 30th at Pfizer Forum. And joining me now to talk more about that event and the impact it will have on our local community is Cherie Dallas Branch. She's the Assistant Divisional Director of the Salvation Army Milwaukee. Cherie, it is so good to see you again. Saw you last summer. We got to work together on the last event that you guys threw like this. It was a raging success. People still come up to me and talk about how wonderful it was. I had a bunch of women from the local community affiliated with sports. And this year, you guys have the holidays. Lauren Holiday, Drew Holiday, Lauren, of course, of soccer fame, Drew of NBA fame here with the Milwaukee Bucks. So tell me what will be happening on the August 30th event. So good to see you again. Yes, last year was wonderful. And so for our annual civic luncheon, we thought, why not kind of replicate that, if you will? And we thought, you know, who could we bring in that would bring the excitement, but more so who are great philanthropists and really setting the tone and being a great model. And we, of course, thought about the holidays. Um, They've been so good to Milwaukee. They've really walked the walk. Um, And they believe in what Salvation Army stands for, and that's providing basic needs uh, to everyone without discrimination. So we thought um, we, you know, made a call and they accepted uh, and we couldn't be more excited. Drew Holiday, of course, an all-star guard for the Milwaukee Bucks, helped lead them to the NBA championship in 2021, an event in a moment we are still celebrating (laughs) here in Milwaukee. And Lauren Holiday, you know, between the two of them, she is just incredibly accomplished herself. You could even argue more accomplished than her husband, who a lot of people here in Milwaukee know. She's a former professional soccer player, a two-time Olympic gold medalist, and FIFA Women's World Cup champion. It is so clear, following them on social, interacting with them in the community, that they prioritize philanthropy. When you have spoken to them, have they articulated to you why it's so important for them to use their platforms and give back? No, and I hope that's what they uh, talk about at the luncheon. Um, I will say that um, when we were researching, of course it was Drew, Drew, Drew. And then when we really found out all that Lauren has accomplished, we were blown away. And I thought, wow, what a great duo, right? So, you know, the fact that they said yes immediately, uh, the only provision was that we had to um, change the date when they were going to be in the playoffs. So 
with that uh, one little provision, we were glad that they said yes. And I do believe that they will talk about um, why they do what they do and the platform they use, why it's important um, and why giving back uh, is critical for any community. We're even more excited that you will be there to facilitate and have that conversation. Oh, my goodness. That is so nice of you. I'm excited to be in their presence. I just think that they are such wonderful representatives for the state of Wisconsin, for the city of Milwaukee. You know, they run this JLH Social Impact Fund and foundation, and they provide opportunities for small businesses to thrive through their own foundation. They've given out more than $3 million in grants to over 150 black and brown small businesses and nonprofits in our community, in Los Angeles, in Indianapolis, and New Orleans, all places that are close to their hearts, where they have lived, where they do live, where they have played. It is just wonderful. They actually also just received the Muhammad Ali Sports Humanitarian Award at the ESPYs for their generous work in these communities. When you do events like this, what is the hope for the Salvation Army? When you bring people together for the Civic Luncheon, what is the hope and what do you guys do with the money that you raise? So I believe the hope is to just bring more awareness. I the majority of people know us by our kettles and at Christmas time, right? We're synonymous with Christmas, the ringing of the bells. But what a lot of people don't know is the work that we do 365 days a year, which is provide food, shelter, and clothing to those who are in need. Um, we also have a 24-hour shelter in Milwaukee. We do emergency service, so we, so we work alongside the Red Cross when um, emergencies happen. So... The luncheon is really about not only bringing awareness to Salvation Army, the services, but to also say thank you to a couple of um, great partners that we've had. We will be giving out Salvation Army's two highest awards. One uh, is the Others Award that will be given out to um, the Metalcraft uh, family, the Galoon family. And the second is the William Booth Award, which will be be presented to Don Rosette, who is the founder of Christmas Family Feast, and this is going into the 34th year. Cherie Dallas Branch joining us here on the Sunday Sip to talk about the Salvation Army and their civic luncheon coming up on August 30th at Pfizer Forum, 11.30 a.m. Mark your calendars. And apparently you guys have tables available if people want to be a part of this, if they want to attend, there are ways. There are ways. Please come and join us. We have sponsorships available where you can um, sponsor a table and have your photo taken with the holiday and we also have individual tickets. You can get all of that information on samilwaukee.org. That's samilwaukee.org. samilwaukee.org for all of that information. Of course, we have mentioned that Drew and Lauren Holiday will be the keynote speakers for this year's annual Civic Luncheon, 11.30 a.m., August 30th at Pfizer Forum. I will be there moderating a conversation with the holidays. Cherie, you will be there, as always, representing the Salvation Army so well. You're an incredible ambassador for this fantastic cause. And I am so glad we got to chat this morning. Thank you so much. We couldn't do it without TMJ. So thank you. And it's 957 coming up after the news. It's the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian and David Wickert. You know, that CPI was released this past week. What does it mean for you and buying and selling a home? Brian and David, they have the answers right after the news here on WTMJ.